Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Where Brains Meet Beauty family. I am over the moon excited to introduce you to our summer sponsor, Grin. My team at Base Beauty uses the Grin creator management platform every day. It's an incredible tool. Let me tell you why we love it and why you need it. So your team already works with influencers, but they're probably getting lost in spreadsheets and busy work. They're combing through a messy web of communications and content your creators post, wondering if the campaigns are actually delivering a return on your investment. Well, that's where Grin comes in. Grin is the number one creator management platform, helping e-commerce brands connect with their audience through the power of creator partnerships. It's an all-in-one software that allows you to treat your creators like your brand revolves around them. Because in the creator economy, it does. My team loves that Grin has project management tools that provide for a seamless workflow. Thousands upon thousands of creators already live on Grin, so it's super easy to meet and build organic relationships with them, track the metrics of their content, and pay them all in one platform. Find out how Grin can help you grow your brand. Watch the demo at grin.co. That's G-R-I-N dot C-O. Hi, Esperanza. Hi, Jody. How are you? I'm great because I love skincare and aesthetics. <laughs> I know you are. I definitely consider you a skincare girl. Yeah, I'm not like very much into my hair. You know, I'll wash it, maybe sometimes dry it. Um, I love it when other people do it, but I'm really happy when I'm in a skincare place. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm a makeup girl, but of course I do love taking care of my skin as well. So today's guest is really exciting because she is a training director at Hydrofacial and Hydrofacial is like basically taking the world by storm. Yeah. You know, I'm super jealous. I really want to try Hydrofacial. I heard that you did. Yeah, I've done it a few times. And um, what's great about the process from my perspective, in addition to whatever the skin health benefits are, is that at the end of your procedure, the esthetician will show you this little canister of gunk that they removed from your skin surface and your pores. And it is fascinating. If you're someone who likes like watching pimple popping and all that gross stuff, then it's really your jam. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of gross, but I definitely understand why it's so satisfying. Well, let's get into the episode so everyone can learn about Kim and why her career in aesthetics and hydrofacial are so fascinating. Absolutely. So without further ado, I'd really love to introduce our guest today, Kim Bogash. She's the training and education manager at the Hydrofacial Company. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. So I'd like to introduce you all to our third guest in this artistry quarter. She is a highly accomplished and trained esthetician with over 10 years of experience in making skin glow. She comes to us at from Hydrofacial. I mean, everyone's heard of Hydrofacial. Hydrofacial, the skin resurfacing treatment that combines cleansing, exfoliation, extraction, and hydration. And we're so excited to learn more about her and Hydrofacial. Please welcome Kim Bogash, training and education manager at the Hydrofacial facial company. Oh my gosh, thank you. What a what an intro. I don't even know what I could say to possibly say I, that was wonderful. Thank you. You made me sound fantastic. <laughs> well, um I am so excited to have you on this show. I'm I got my first hydrofacial many years ago, I guess. I mean, how old is the company? Uh we have been around for 23 years. Okay, it wasn't 23 years ago, but I'd say it was like 5 years ago and it was, you know, 
still felt new to me at the time. Um, I mean, I feel like the um, the growth of your company has gone crazy amazing. And then um, recently, Andrew took over as CEO and I messaged him on LinkedIn. I'm like, I want someone from your team on my show. And then he put us together. So I'm super excited about that. Oh, that's so great. You know, it's it's uh, exciting to be a part of the company. And you're right. It, um, it has grown astronomically um, in the past 23 years, of course, but just in the past even two years that I've been with this company, it's grown uh, a lot. And I'm really excited to be a part of it, to see and, and, you know, be a part of like a lot of the things that we are creating for our providers, for our consumers out there too. So watch out for big things to come. Oh, and also JLo. <laughs> Also JLo. Not that not that that's a big thing or not, but yeah, the JLo, that's going to be really exciting for us. I'm so, um, I mean, the JLo glow itself has huge recognition, um, even towards somebody who doesn't uh, really follow skincare. When they see the opportunity to uh, get that JLo glow, that's going to do a lot for us. I'm so excited to watch the trajectory of this company, and I'm so glad that you and I are connected. I am not a professional skincare provider. I'm a, a beauty marketer, but I spend a lot of time in aesthetics at my day job, based beauty. So um, all day long, I get the privilege of talking to people who are trained like you, Kim, and it's so fun. It's the place to be. Like, pro skincare is the best. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more about like the things that I love about the industry, but I really just, in a nutshell, love helping people to feel, um, to feel better about themselves and to help people walk into their day-to-day lives, uh, whether it be a routine that we start uh, for them, just, you know, feeling just a little bit more pep in their step, feeling like um, they can present themselves with just a bit more confidence is probably one of the most rewarding things about my job. Well, we're going to um, focus on you and your career journey. But before I jump into my favorite question, I just have to say one of my favorite parts about a hydrofacial is seeing all the gunk in the um, the canister afterwards. Can you just, I'm for people who don't even know what I'm talking about, can you just explain this to everybody? I would love nothing more than to do that for you right now. So um, the great thing about when you get just any aesthetic facial is when you get up and you feel super clean and glowy, uh, hydrofacial takes that up a notch. And you feel super great and glowy after everything is said and done. Um, But after you get up from the table, we're like, by the way, we want to bring it back home and show you this jar of gunk that we have removed from your face, from your pores, from your skin. Uh, Just when you thought that everything was clean, we're here just to, you know, bring you back down a notch, (laughs) if you will. And there is blackheads and oil and dirt and debris. Um dead skin comes off of there and it's all just floating around in this little gunky jar. And um, estheticians are an interesting breed. We're always like, that's really yummy when we see it. And the more that's in there, the more exciting and gratifying it is for us. So uh, that's everything that's in the gunky. And we actually have a, a newer device called the Sendeo and our gunky now has a light underneath it. And then there's a magnifying lens. So if you like the gunky jar before, now let's lighten up and uh, put a magnifying lens so everything looks bigger and brighter. I do love it. And I think people start to notice like kind of like old makeup debris too in there, right? Like Mm -hmm. just you think you're getting your face clean at night, right? You think you've, you know, cleansed in a multitude of ways, but there's just like old stuff. It's so exciting. It is so exciting. And, you know, I'm that person who uh, double cleanses at night 
and I still go back and do just a quick toner. And it's still shocking to me how there's still stuff coming off my face. So it's like, um, did you ever watch Zoolander? Um, so that movie where he's going in and he's cleaning all of his face from all of the, uh, what's the cave that he's in, all of the, the coal, the coal mines that he's in. That's what I feel like when I wash my face. I'm like, I take good care of my skin. Why is there still stuff coming off? Yeah, it's so satisfying. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about your career journey. So we're going to start with my favorite question. I love to talk about um, what our career dreams were when we were kids, because this is a career journey show. So let's go back in time to your 11-year-old self. What do you want to be when you grow up? When I was 11 years old, uh, was that like fifth grade? Fifth, I should know. I have a 10-year-old. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, around fifth grade. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, fifth grade, maybe going into sixth grade, uh, I wanted to be a pop star. <laughs> so... Uh, I wanted to be a singer and, uh, like that was not, I think it was before Britney Spears and, um, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera really hit the scene. It was not long after that, that they came on, but I really wanted to be a pop star. I wanted to also, that kind of transitioned into me wanting to be on Broadway. Um, I just loved to sing. So that was what I did. And are you a good singer? Are you, um, I think I am. You know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Um, <laughs> I uh, I took voice lessons. I took professional voice lessons for about seven years. Uh, I took um, opera lessons for about two years as well. And then I performed um, in our musical theater class when I was in high school. And so, yeah, I'd actually tried out for some TV shows too. I tried out for American Idol and The Voice. Um, fortunately, me being in Atlanta, Georgia, a lot of these shows come through. So many moons ago, I was that person waiting outside, sleeping on my book bag, trying to break it down to a Whitney Houston song. Okay, um, we need to press pause on the other questions and dig in deep here. <laughs> So you go to audition for The Voice. Do you actually make it into a room? Like, what was this like? So there's a lot of process. There's like a lot of stages before you get in front of Adam and all of them. Before you you can't just walk in off the street and get on the big stage where the chairs turn. Um, I waited outside for a little while. We were at this um, waiting around in Atlanta. It's called the America's Mart. And waited in line for a little while. And then all of a sudden the doors open and it's just like a bum rush uh, where everyone starts running in uh, to make it to the front of the line. And then you just go from like one room to the next um, until they, you know, push you in to meet with uh, whatever people are at. There's the random like card table that are going to audition you. Um, I am a very talkative person and I do well when I connect with other people around me. And I made friends with this really cute girl named Kara and she was really nervous about singing her song. And I was like, well, cool. why, don't we, why don't we go into the bathroom? Great acoustics in there. And you sing your song. I'll give you my two cents uh, if you'll let me do the same for you. And so we had this really fun group of girls all in the bathroom, just belting it out in the middle of the uh, America's Mart uh, while we were all just practicing. I'm pretty sure a few people knocked on the door and they're like, you guys need to keep it down. It sounds great, but you guys need to keep it down in there. And then you audition as a group. So you don't all go in and just, you know, it's not like um, it's not like Pitch Perfect where everybody knows all the song at the same time. That would be really cool to live that life. Uh, but everybody goes in with like a group of 10 and then they just invite you up one at a time to sing your like, 20 or 30 seconds of your song. Okay, so you have um, a small audience of a few judges and then nine of your peers who are trying out. Mm -hmm. And are you allowed to pick what song you sing? Yes. 
Okay. What did you sing? Uh, I sang I Want to Dance with Somebody. Oh, what a good song. Yeah, it's upbeat. Uh, I tend to lean towards ballads, but I feel like, you know, as I've gotten older, I have to think about what the audience um, will remember. And I feel like an upbeat song will be more exciting than me trying to, you know, croon them and, you know, make them make them cry a little bit. So something fun is always more exciting for them. Okay, and you get 20 seconds. So do you start at the beginning of the song? Do you start in the middle? How do you strategize that? So I started at the very beginning of it, uh, which may have not been the best uh, point because it goes up. The clock strikes upon the hour. And then you just kind of build up from there. Uh, I probably could have started at um, just the line before I want to dance with somebody just to kind of give myself just enough to build off of. Okay, so number one, that was so cool to hear you sing. (laughs) And, um, okay, so you you did this, you had your 20 seconds, then what happens? Um, they said, number two, you were great. Number five, you were great. Everybody else, thank you so much for coming. Um, number two and number five are going to stay. The door is that way for everybody else. Goodbye. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. It wasn't like that, but it was like everybody else can go. So all of that running and line waiting and singing in the bathroom built up to about 20 seconds of nerves. Um, Do you have any regrets? No regrets. It's so fun. It's so fun just to go there. I mean, you know, you lose a day, but I feel like that day was just really fun to to meet other like-minded people who uh, like to perform. Um, I loved meeting that little group of girls. We're actually all still friends on Facebook, uh, which is really fun. Like every year, this one picture of all of us together will pop up uh, in the bathroom at America's Mart, all trying to sing together. And it's just really exciting to have that memory forever. Well, I have to say, Kim, this career aspiration is like a straight line to being in the training team of like a big skincare company. You're in front of people all the time performing in your day job. This is totally, you know, tied to your aspirations. Oh, thanks. You know what? And um, I have had people talk to me about like my Instagrams and I do all the funny reels. And they're like, it's because of your drama background that you can pick up on those things so quickly. So um, I think you're right. I just, being in front of people doesn't, doesn't really scare me. And you're, I mean, you're so great to listen to. So you're engaging your audience. You're thinking about your audience. You're not just um, sharing information, but you're, um, you know, really capturing energy, right? And mm-hmm. sharing energy. Um, and that's what makes a great trainer, right? I mean, stuff could be pretty dull at times, right? You're <laughs> probably talking about some things that like, well, I love the gunk. There's probably some things that are not as dramatic as the gunk in your trainings. Right. And um, you have to hold the interest of your audience and make them feel like they're part of it. Exactly. And you said it right there is uh, holding the interest of your audience. So I think a big part of that is knowing your audience and who's on the other side. So maybe if I'm in a jazz bar, for some reason, if at some point in my life, I find myself with the opportunity to sing in a jazz bar, that would be a great time to sing a ballad. Uh, But if I'm trying to get people to remember, you know, that girl that sang that really great Whitney Houston song. I remember I was dancing. Then they'll say, oh, that was, that was Kim. That was the girl in pink. So it's doing things uh, where people can remember uh, you by and the energy that you bring and knowing uh, who you want to kind of tailor your conversation to or your, your song to. Okay. So we know you wanted to be, um, a famous singer, but you found your your way into beauty. How did that happen? So this goes back a little bit for me, Judy. I um I 
my mama, so that's how Southern I am. I have a mama. Um, and she was a cosmetologist. She did hair. So I grew up uh, in a hair salon smelling perms. And uh, my sister, I know, <laughs> it's actually a soothing smell for me. And it's hard to come up, like, people don't do them anymore. Um, but when someone smells, you know, if I walk past the salon and I smell a perm, I'm like, it's just, it's very nostalgic for me. Oh, it's such a scent memory for you. It I'm is, sure. it is. It brings me back. The olfactory just gets excited. Um, my sister is actually a cosmetologist as well. And she was a, a cosmetology instructor too. So um, I'm not that great with hair. But I did love uh, doing makeup. And so I found myself doing makeup for weddings, for girls' nights out. And um, flash forward to right around 2008, I found myself doing, uh, I was a front desk coordinator for a big dermatology office in Atlanta. And I, they had a big aesthetics department and I was like, Ooh, what's going on in there? This is exciting. I hear lasers beeping and things smell chemically and this is exciting. So I kind of uh, poked my head in there and it all seemed very um, thrilling. And I watched everybody walk out, maybe a little rosy, maybe a little puffy or just beautifully glowy from whatever treatment they had. And I was like, this is where I want to be. So I already had that um, beauty background with my grandmother and my sister being cosmetology. And I think that the skincare is where I bloomed. So I eventually transitioned to working for the aesthetic side of the office and started aesthetic school like right then and there. Um, my husband was very supportive and he was like, if this is something that you like, you've got to go right into aesthetic school and get it going. So I was going to school, working there full time. And I was in night school, just like plugging away. So 2008 was when it officially started. And um, the aesthetics practice you're working at, were they supportive of you getting your license? Absolutely. So um, I was able to kind of on the slide, do a little bit of homework on the side. Let's be honest. I was in you know my early 20s. So I was able to kind of do multitask a little bit. Um, the way that everything was laid out at this office, their console area was right next to where the desk was. So I was able to eventually take over consultations from the desk. And because I had listened, observed a lot of the other estheticians and their consultations, how they would prescribe certain treatment plans according to what their patients or clients needs were. So I just started picking up on the language, what, um, what solution would go for, what concerns this person had, and kind of take over consultations from there, help out. And they were really excited that I had that enthusiasm for it. So they were all for it. Um, I remember when I got my license, the uh, practice administrator was like, well, I'm going to take you to dinner. And we all went to this really fun uh, little dinner, me and my uh, best friend. And it was just really nice to get, you know, a little, rec like not recognition, but support. Because right after I got my license, I'm like, great, you're in the treatment room. Go have a good time. That's such a great story. And I'd love it if... Um our listeners can use their comments, use the comments area in the um, conversation to write about what prompted them to go to school to get their license. Because I think um, the most fascinating part of our journeys are those moments that we're inspired to shift gears, right? And um, mm -hmm. take on a risk. So please share your comments. I'll read through them um, and share them with Kim as we go through the conversation. But I love that you like had this job and you smelled the chemical smell that... <laughs> That was meaningful to you. I'm wondering what the smells were that you were smelling. Because, like, obviously, like, smells in a beauty environment were meaningful to you, thanks to the perms. Well, and I think that that's what it was, again, is me uh, being just so um, 
so acclimated to, you know, smelling perms and chemicals and things like that. It was honestly chemical peels. I think it was probably phenol, if I'm being honest. Uh, oh, phenol mm-hmm. is in a lot more of uh, medium depth chemical peels. So I think that that smell just kind of radiated through uh, the office. And I was like, oh, this, what is that smell doing for people? That's exciting. So a lot of people would get turned off from it, but I'm like, ooh, I love it. Put it on me. Um, how would you describe the smell of phenol? Um, it's pungent. <laughs> uh, pungent and, um, I guess bitter would be another way to uh, describe it too. Punch it a little bit bitter. And um, it's just, it's a very strong chemical. Definitely one of those that uh, unless you're used to smelling it, you definitely want to uh, uh, waft it. Oh, um, hospital smell is mm. what somebody said. Okay. So I would know if it was used on me. I would remember that. Yeah. Well, and you would feel it too more than anything. Oh. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely not something that's typically in a lot of like daily skincare products. It wouldn't be in any over-the-counter products either. Uh, you would find it in definitely a more professional treatment experience. So uh, there was a chemical peel in particular that I did that had phenol in it. Phenol is a numbing agent. So uh, it basically, it basically numbs it. So um, okay, yeah. love this segue. Um, and uh, I also want people to put in the chat, like if Kim could sing a song for us now, what song would you want her to sing? So I'm not going to make you sing. <laughs> I'm just curious to know um, after hearing that little bit of Whitney Houston, what people want to hear from Kim. Maybe you'll do that on your um, oh reels for us at a later date. Oh, maybe so. Yes, I know that um, original audio is trending right now. So let me just hop on that bandwagon. I cannot contribute to this because I have an awful voice, um, but I will listen. Okay, let's um, let's skip ahead. You got your license. How did you, you find Hydrofacial? How did Hydrofacial find you? So I started working for um, a practice. It was a plastic surgeon practice in about, I think it was 2018. And right after I started, uh, my manager was like, hey, there is a hydrofacial on the road training that's coming through Atlanta. They hardly ever go on the road. So you should register to go. Uh, And the truth of the matter is that was the very first hydrofacial training on the road. It was called HFX on the road. So I went not knowing that this was such such a tremendous opportunity to be a part of the first program. And I, my face hurt after the end of that training because I was so smiley and happy just being there and being present in it. Um, They covered all of these different things like um, how to build your business, you know, best practices when you're doing the treatment. Here are some great tips and tricks for social media. And um, I was just in there. I think I filled an entire notebook worth of notes because I was just scribbling everything down. It was a training like none other. And then uh, that's actually where I met uh, Joanna, who is now my boss. And um, I met her. I met a lot of the different training team that was there. And that's actually where I got my very first hydrofacial. So um, I got my very first hydrofacial at HFX on the road in Atlanta um, in front of a group of about 50 people. So no pressure, but this is happening in front of a big group of people. That was where I kind of got turned on. And then... I guess it was 2020. So during the pandemic, the opportunity arose for, um, I think they advertised it as training slash social media on LinkedIn. And so I was like, well, I do, uh, at the time I was a faculty trainer for Allergan and I had done a little bit of work there. I had been doing a lot of social media and my social media is all self-taught. 
Um, so I applied and Joanna was like, I remember you from Atlanta and that's my story. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So it was fun. Uh, it was very thorough. It was, it was the most thorough, um, interview process. And I liked how it challenged me because I, I had to create videos and, uh, I met with, uh, some people from the executive team and talk about some of the things that I like to educate on like social media wise, what can I teach other people? So it was nice to, to challenge myself and say, these are things that I actually know. And this is information that I would like other people, um, that I would like to share with other people because, you know, social media specifically, um, for estheticians, it's so huge for the beauty and health industry that having, someone who taught themselves how to do it, guide you through the process and show them literally, if I can, if I can do this, anybody can. And just give them that empowerment was really um, exciting to, to share that with people. Well, now I actually want to shift the conversation a bit, Kim, to um, a subject matter that's really important to me. I actually just um, launched a book on the subject matter of the seduction of success in our careers. So um, I like my job. Um, I love being in the beauty industry. I love the wellness industry. And um, growing my business is so seductive. Like it's calls my name in the middle of the night, right? It inspires me to keep pushing harder and farther. But at the same time, I want to lead in business, but I want to live my life, you know, beyond work too. So it's um, a question I ask all of my guests now, like how do you define success today? How do I define success today? I think ultimately, hmm, success, it's honestly just being, it's loving what you do. So I have been fortunate in my career to have always loved what I do and being a great example to my two daughters of uh, being that working mom and being able to give back, you know, now that I've, I've transitioned out of treating uh, clients on a day-to-day basis, and now I'm building up other estheticians uh, so that they can go and bloom in their treatment rooms and become uh, fantastic people, uh, treating other people and growing on social media. And for me, it's just really exciting to watch, um, you know, like this whole new family of the world grow uh, because I'm able to help them get there. So that for me is, uh, is my success. And in your career, especially um, as nimble as you are in social media, um, do you feel seduced by success? Like, for instance, those um, viewer numbers climbing, those fan numbers climbing, the engagement data climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a bit of a seduction there? Um, you know, I heard you ask this question yesterday, and I thought I, I cheated and I thought about it a little bit. And social media wise, it's it can easily, you can easily get sucked in and go down the rabbit hole and want to be that person who is a major influencer that has, you know, millions of followers, uh, and you want to get thousands of views and you definitely beat yourself up if that reel or video didn't get a lot of likes or get a lot of views. Um, and for me, that doesn't, you know, I, I just, I, I don't let that bother me anymore. You know, I put my content out there. If it takes off fantastic, if it doesn't, that's fine too. Um, I think that the information that I'm putting out there for people is valuable. And sometimes I'm putting something out there because it looked like fun. So, uh, it's partially for me, a lot for people to uh, learn from and, you know, reshare. So I try not to let those things get to me. When I did before, let it really consume me. Um, 
that was when imposter syndrome really set in. And I was like, oh, if I'm not, uh, if I, if I don't have 10,000 followers, if I don't have 20,000 followers, I am not successful. And, you know, what am I doing this fall for anyways? Um, but now I feel like so long as I see other people are finding value in my content, I'm doing a good job. Okay, so let's dive a little deeper into the where you were before, where um, it felt okay. very personal, right, to not mm-hmm. achieve the number of shares or saves or, or whatnot you were looking for. Um, you turned a corner to saying, it's okay. Mm-hmm. How did you do that? Because that's really hard for people to, to look at themselves differently that way. You know, um, I just realized there was a lot of other things going on. You know, you said it yourself that you don't want to let... Um, success seduce you and completely, um, you know, consume your life, control your life. So I was like, listen, I've got a family (laughs) that I have to, you know, be a mom and a wife for. I have uh, my personal health, my personal mental health that I have to focus on. So I don't want to say that I simply turned it off, but, you know, looking back, I think that that's what I had to do to not let it completely control me. So I was like, listen, when I start going through that dead scroll where I'm like, well, this person's getting this many likes and this person's getting this many views, I am just going to go to my next project for work, or I'm going to go downstairs and work out a little bit, um, or I'm going to bake myself some cookies, <laughs> just just distract, because these are things that these are things that I need to do. Maybe not making cookies is something that I need to do, but it sure is a good distraction. So I just I found other things to uh, focus my energy on. That's amazing advice, and there's like a part of me, Kim, that like really wants to play this game, right? Of, um. I mean, it's like a lot of me that doesn't, but there's a little part of me that like wants to like put these stories out there. And, um, but the, the idea of having, well, now another job, right? Cause I already have these, I already have a full-time job and a side hustle and a whatnot. It just sort of exhausts me before I even get farther. I know, I mean, I'm in the business, you know, influencer marketing, like I know how hard these people work, you know, to make it a full-time job. Um, and, um, this idea of taking all my thoughts that are on the inside and making them outside thoughts. And that's a, a summary by Julia from my team. Like that, that to me feels excruciating. So this is not the right realm for me. You know, it's a lot to try and put yourself completely out there. I mean, um, in that respect, I do have two separate Instagram accounts. So I have my one personal account. If you, I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. It's very interesting to my family. And that is where a good chunk of my energy goes. It's just me posting pictures of my family and things that I do outside of uh, the hydrofacial world. So you'll see a ton of pictures of my two daughters. You'll see pictures of my dog, Chewy. And that is kind of what I go to where I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm going down the rabbit hole again, Kim. You're looking at other people's views. You're comparing, which isn't a healthy practice. So let me come back to what's, you know, what's important right now, which is you know, these other things. So it's just easy for me to kind of, kind of split. That's where I put my other thoughts too. So I don't put all of my thoughts out for the world, uh, but just, you know, some of them, the head to toe by Kimmo gets some of my thoughts and then my personal Instagram gets, um, you know, my personal thoughts. So. I love it. I think it's great guidance. And I'm sure a lot of the other SDs listening who are, you know, building their personal brands and personal businesses um, can use some of that advice because, you know, for a lot of these people, they might be um, the sole owners of a, a small company that's just them, right? So if they're not putting out a message, there's no message going out, right? So um, they have to make the correlation between how much of themselves do they put out there to drive their business growth and then how do they protect their 
um, their mental health and the, the rest of their time. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, it's, it's important to take uh, time away. And I, for the most part, try to not do a whole lot of stuff on my uh, Head to Toe by Kimbo page on the weekends. So Saturdays and Sundays, unless it's something that I previously created. And I was like, this is really not like, you know, this is just a silly post. I saved the silly post for the weekends. And so I've already created like the whole video or, you know, static post. I've already created the caption. So, you know, I, I'm usually the first person awake in my house. So I'll usually roll over Saturday, Sunday. I'm like, okay, you know what? Now that nobody is awake, I'll click post really quick and then enjoy the rest of my day. So it took maybe three seconds, but I do that. I close it and I don't, I try not to do anything else from there. Just unplug a little bit sometimes. It's like exercise. I feel like you're not supposed to do the same thing every single day. You're supposed to change it up for, for your body's health and so that you can continue to grow. So that for me is like my mental growth. Do it five days a week. And then Saturday and Sunday, if you can just turn off for a little bit or for a, a day or two, just turn off for a little bit. It's just good for, it's it's good for you, which is going to make it good for everybody. Kim, thank you so much for your wisdom there. I'm so excited that all these um, estheticians and small aesthetic business owners are hearing this advice. So thank you so much for inspiring us with your answers. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Kim. Please subscribe to our series on your favorite podcast app. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at where brains meet beauty podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.